Well, good morning, everybody. We're so glad that you came out today. We're glad you're here. We're going to continue the series, as Pastor Bryant said, on the future church and uh, what the church looks like in the future, how we will address uh, certain societal issues and things like that. And today, we're going to talk about uh, the future church is one that has a culture of valuing others has a culture of valuing others. We live in a selfie society where we're posting uh, photos and stories and all that kind of stuff that, that kind of project or, or present this life that's got it all together. And so sometimes we're trying to do that so that we can uh, gain the approval of other people, but God wants us not to, to so value ourselves that we forget to value other people. And so the future church is one that knows how to value Others. And in this series, we're going to talk about some of the cultural shifts that are happening in, happening in our country today and happening in our world. And how many of you have noticed that the changes that are coming in our world, the changes that are happening in our world, the changes in our society, our ideologies, our beliefs, all of those things are changing at a very rapid rate. Have we noticed that? Well, here's the good thing. The truths of God are the truths of God from when Jesus was alive to today and they will be in the future. There are things that we can rest on. There are things that we can put our faith in. They're the, the ways of God are the ways that we can carry out no matter what's changing on around us. Amen? And so today we're going to talk a little bit more about that. The main goal is for us to give a biblical perspective of how the church can respond to cultural shifts. And continue to reach emerging generations and reach uh, just lost people, people who are needing Jesus in their lives. So let me pray for us as we dive in today. Father, thank you. We thank you, God, that you give us timeless truths. We thank you, God, that your ways are higher than our ways. That, Lord, we will take this opportunity to learn of your ways. And, Father, today, what we say is we will submit to your ways. We will say have your way in us and live through us in a way that honors you and draws other people to do the same. We thank you for it, God. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, right now in America, we see all these divides about these ideologies, and one of the biggest ones we see is actually as it relates to the economy and how that, how that plays out in people's lives. And so we see these two uh, generations, or multiple generations, approaching some of the gaps in very different ways. But the desire of both generations, or all generations, is actually to close the gap. And one of the places that we see this most common right now is in, in this uh, political and charged world that we have that's very divided right now against this, these different ideologies. Socialism and capitalism. Those are two major ideologies. Now, this is not a political message. That's not what we're diving into. We're not asking you to stand on one side or the other. I'm asking you to hear the heart of both sides of the issue. Both sides of the issue where people, older people or younger people are facing some things that are very difficult in their day and time. And they're trying to figure out how do we address these issues. They're facing record student loan debt. They're facing the inability to keep their jobs and to keep up with the inflation. And as, as pricing and all that rises, they're having a difficult time getting on their feet. They can't afford housing. They're trying to figure out how do we do this. And so we're seeing them address this in, in, in ways that some of us go, that's not necessarily the best way. But their heart is not wrong in it. Their heart is actually to close the gap. And then we see the same kind of challenges uh, with, with the older generation where they're facing unaffordable health care. 
They're facing long-term care solutions for parents. We've now seen the flip where our parents used to take care of us and now we're having to take care of our parents. We're seeing these types of things, retirement worries that are rising in the older generation. And our country has such different views on how to solve these issues. But God has a way of solving these issues that we want to align to. And I believe that we're going to talk about it today, or we're going to share some of those things today. The first thing that we want to take a look at is some of the ideologies that are out there. Socialism being one of them. And I'm just, just going to give you the definition of socialism. It's an economic and political system under which the means of production are publicly owned. Production and consumer prices are controlled by the government to best meet the needs of the people from their perspective. The big idea about socialism is this. It's, it's trying to redistribute the wealth. It's trying to level out the wealth so that the rich don't rule over the poor. That's the big idea of socialism. It's trying to say, let's, let's level the field so that one party or one group of people doesn't rule over another people. Let's, let's solve that by leveling the field. The challenge with it is, it has never succeeded anywhere in the world as a form of economic policy. You can study every country that has a socialistic uh, point of view, and you will find that there are failures in that, in that ideology. However, there's capitalism. Capitalism is this, an economic system under which the means of production are privately owned. Production and consumer prices are based on free market systems of supply and demand. In other words, we don't lean to the government to rule these things. The, the, the leaders in business determine these things. Here's the big idea of capitalism. People are better at handling their money than the government is. And so with lower taxation and more opportunity and freedom to create the economy, the economy grows for everyone, giving everyone an opportunity for financial dignity. That's the, that's the big idea of capitalism, but here's the challenge with capitalism. Capitalism feeds greed and it creates imbalance unless it is balanced by a community-like attitude that values others. It promotes greed. So each of these solutions have positive pieces to them and each of these solutions have negative pieces. But the older generation leans one way and the younger generation leads another but the heart of both of these groups of people is to try to solve a problem, to try to fill a gap uh, that we see in our society. But here's the thing. There is one way to fill the gap, and it's God's way. So here's what we're saying. Socialism says that the government is our source. Capitalism says that we are our source, that self is the source. But God's kingdom says that God is the source, that he is the source, not the government, not ourselves. And God gives us all kinds of ways to live these things out in our lives because he wants us to understand where our source comes from. And when, our, when you understand where our source comes from, it doesn't come from an outer group of people deciding for us or from an inner uh, uh, desire and, and deciding for ourselves, but it comes from one who lays out a way for us. And in that way, there is not lack. In that way, there is not lack. It is his way that begins to close the gap. Not the government's way and not our ways, but it's his ways that close the gap. And when we understand where our sources are, then we cannot be afraid to value other people. We, we, will, we will be uh, uh, actually motivated 
to help other people. Because we understand with the source, there is no limitation. So what we say is by faith, when I give to others, when I give of myself, when I give of my time, when I give of my money, when I give of my resources, when I give of my influence, when I give of my relationships, when I give to other people to help them, there will be more there. There will be more there. There will be more resources. There will be more influence. There will be more opportunities for us as we help other people. The Bible bears this out for us. When you value others, you want to help others. When you value them, it's not just something that, hey, if somebody asks me, I'll help them. But our mindset shifts and says, how do I help others? And I become proactive in the way that I go about helping others versus responsive to something that's happening around me or coming towards me. I say, what is it that I can do to show value to others? What is it that I can do to help another one get up? What is it that I can do to help other people? We see this borne out in Philippians chapter 2. And Philippians, is a, it's a letter to the church of, at Philippi. And it's written by Paul. And I want you to get the context and way he, where he was when he wrote this letter to this church. And this church wasn't like a victory Hamilton Mill church. It was Christ followers. It was the community of Christ followers. That was the church that he was writing to. Not just one location that was meeting in one location. But uh, one group that was meeting in, lo- in one location. He's writing to a group of Christ followers. But he's writing from prison. There was this guy that came from Philippi, his name is Ephroditus, and he brings Paul some money, he brings Paul some things, some gifts, some uh, food and things like that while he's imprisoned, and Paul gives him back this letter. And in the first chapter of Philippians, Paul basically says, hey, every time I think of you, I give thanks for you. Every time I think of you, I pray for you. He's talking to the church but he's in prison. And then he says, this, this is a very powerful state of being. Because he knew God's ways were higher than his ways. He didn't know if he was going to be released from this prison or if he would die because of his faith. But here's what he said. I win either way. To live is Christ. So if I'm released and I live, I'm going to spread the gospel to more people. And to die is gain. If I die... So be it. I'm going to be with Jesus face to face. I can't lose. His mindset was not on himself. His mindset was on people. If I can get out of here, I'm going to share Christ with them. I'm going to take answers to them. I'm going to close societal gaps with them. I'm going to use every bit of my influence and every bit of the, 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 the stirring of God inside of me to help this community at Philippi. So he sends them this letter. And this is what he says in chapter 2. We'll start with verse 1. He says, If you've gotten anything out of, out of following Christ, if his love has made any difference in your life, if being in a community of, spirit, uh, of the Spirit means anything to you, if you have a heart, this is what he, I mean, he's getting down to it. He's saying, if you have a heart, if you care, then do me a favor. Agree with each other. Love each other. Be deep-spirited friends. Don't push your way to the front. Don't sweet-talk your way to the top. Put yourselves aside and help others get ahead. Do you see this upside-down thinking of where our society is today? We're like, 
We'll step on anybody to get to the top. We'll do whatever it takes to get to the front. We will, we will work our ways as hard as we can to get to the top. And he's saying, hey, don't do that. Put yourselves aside and help others get ahead. Help others get ahead. Don't be obsessed with getting your own advantage. Forget yourselves long enough to lend a helping hand. Sometimes we're so busy with our own agendas and our own things, we can't even just lend a helping hand to somebody. I remember growing up in the day where in our community, we would have, uh, I grew up in the country, and we would have what we call barn raisings. Literally, the community would come together to help a, a neighbor build their barns. They literally came together. They offered a helping hand. And guess what? When it was time to build your barn, your neighbors came and helped you build yours. It was just a way of life for us. It wasn't something that we were fighting against. It was just a mindset. And you have to think about the people and where they came from. We think about these people, they went through the Great Depression, or they were raised by parents that went through the Great Depression, or they had gone through some kind of world war, World War II, or something like that. They were raised by people that had this mindset that says, hey, you know what? This is not my life to build my own kingdom. This is my life to share with other people. But that has shifted in our society. That has shifted. It's shifted in the church, it's shifted in our communities, it's shifted in our workplaces. It has shifted. I remember going to my grandmother's house. My grandmother would not let you leave her home without giving you something. And guess what? She had nothing. She had very, very little. It wasn't like she was rich because she was far, far from rich. But every time we would go to her house, she's going to give us something. So we're leaving one day, and, and, and my grandmother, I could see it on her face. She got kind of frantic about, i, I got to give you something. I, and she starts looking around, like literally looking around like this. And, and so she starts walking around in her kitchen. She goes, hold on, hold on, hold on. Wait, wait just a minute. i got to give you something. And my dad goes, Mom, we don't need anything. It's okay. She goes, no, 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 no. You, i, I got to give you something. And I'm watching this as a child going, this is like kind of weird and kind of cool at the same time. And my grandmother literally was getting anxious because she didn't have anything to give us. So finally, she walks over to her freezer. She opens her freezer. She grabs a loaf of bread, and she, took, she gave this frozen loaf of bread to my dad and said, here you go, now you can go. But what it represented was a mindset, a position of the heart. She didn't have much, but whatever she had, she was going to share. Whatever she had, she was going to use to help other people with it even though we didn't have need of it she was going to do that so we must not think of ourselves only but we must think of others first this is a mindset that shifts inside of us and it's going to be something that helps us establish inside the church a culture of valuing other people it's a culture of valuing other people I wonder today if when you came to church if you had this thought how can I add value to the people that I see What did you think coming to church today? What did you think when we were coming together to, to collectively worship, to collectively grow, to collectively be with one another? What was your thought process? I'm just going to go to church and then I'm going to, and our mind is after church, we're going to do this, 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 and this. Or is it one of these mindsets that says, when I get here, I want to add value to the people I come in contact with. That may mean listening to them. That may mean praying for them. That may mean sharing something with them that will help them. It may mean all kinds of different things. 
But what I'm going to do is I'm going to show value to every person I come in contact with. I wonder what would happen. I wonder how a church that came together that way would change society. Because if it's happening here, it's a mindset, it's a part of our heart, it's a set of our heart. So when we go to work, we add value to people. When we go visit with our neighbors, we add value to people. When we go to our schools, we add value to people. When we, wherever we go, we have this mindset that says, I value you. And I want to add value to you. What would happen? Can you see gaps starting to close? Can you see society, instead of looking to government and to self, starting to say, hey, you know what? Maybe if we turn to the church, they can help us. Maybe they can help us address the drug issues in our city. Maybe they can help us address the racial tensions in our communities. Maybe they can help us address the education issues that we're facing. Maybe they can help our younger generation find their footing and stand firmly in God. I wonder what would happen. Because in this room right here, there's several hundred people. And you know what? They're represented in this room are thousands of giftings. You may say, no, pastor, you're gifted. We're not. No, you are. Every single one of us have it. Every single one of us have something that we can add value to other people with. Every single person, every young person and every older person. So how can we do this? First, we must understand why we prosper. How many of you know we prosper? We're prosperous people. A few of you know that. Did you eat today? I, I see you all have clothes on. Do you have shelter? Did you drive here? You are prosperous. By every measurement, on every standard, all across the globe, we are a prosperous people. We are blessed beyond measure. We are highly prosperous people. We're a highly prosperous people. How many of you know God wants us to prosper? A few of you believe that? If you believe that, would you raise your hand? How many of you know that? God wants all of us to prosper. Why does he want us to prosper? That's the question we have to answer. Why does God want us to prosper? We cannot forget why he wants us to prosper. He doesn't want us to prosper so we can build our own kingdoms. He wants us to prosper so we can add value to other people and the people around us. He wants us to prosper so that we can help others. So that we can take what we've, ta what we've gotten, what we, have been what we have received, what God has entrusted into our hands, and He knows that He has entrusted into a faithful steward who will use it to help other people. And in so, they will be blessed themselves. When we understand that God is our source, that the government's not our source, that we're not our own source, but that God is our source, we know that the prosperity that God has given us, we can use it to bless other people because there is no limit to that prosperity. God will continue to give because there is no limit to Him. He doesn't have a reserve of something. He owns all things. Amen? Here's what a Proverbs eleven twenty five 25 says. Those who live to bless others will have blessings heaped upon them. And the one who pours out his life to pour out blessing will be saturated with favor. 
when I read that, saturated with favor. That means we're going to have favor in our homes. We're going to have favor in our communities. We're going to have favor in our workplaces. There's going to be opportunity that's given to us that we don't deserve. But some re for some reason, the favor of God saturates us and we find ourselves in places that we didn't earn, places that we couldn't have gotten there on our own. We find ourselves there because God has saturated us with favor. And we can truly say, we stand here today because God made the way. guess what? When God makes it, he sustains it. We don't have to fear man. We don't have to prove anything. We don't have anything to lose because it's not something that we've earned. It's something that we've received. The favor of God is something that we walk in. It's something that he sustains over our lives. We are blessed to bless others. Turn to your neighbor and say, you are blessed to bless others. We see in the Old Testament, God wanted his people, Israel, to prosper. But yet they kept getting into trouble. Why, why would they get into trouble? Why were they continually getting into trouble? They were 40 years in the wilderness. Their shoes didn't wear out. Their clothes didn't wear out. Water came from rocks. Food came from heaven. There was, there was this thing where they daily, daily, daily would walk in a miraculous way. They would have a cloud that would go by day to keep them cool. They would have a pillar of fire that would go by night to keep them warm. There was this miracle after miracle after miracle after miracle. Blessing after blessing after blessing after blessing. This is what these people walked in. They literally walked in the blessing of God over and over and over throughout the day. But here's what um, Deuteronomy 8 tells us. It says, beware that you do not forget the Lord your God. Can you imagine? That statement kind of stuns me. Beware that you do not forget the Lord your God. Every single day they wake up, there's manna on the ground. There's food prepared for them right in front of their doors. God parts seas and swallows enemies. God provides for them in supernatural ways. And here's the first thing that, this is one of the things we hear. Do not forget the Lord your God. By not keeping his commandments, his judgments, and his statutes, which I command you today. Lest when you have eaten and are full and have built beautiful houses and dwell in them. And when your herds and your flocks multiply and your silver and your gold, uh, gold are multiplied. And all that you have is multiplied. In other words, when you have prospered, when you have prospered, when your heart is lifted up, in other words, where it's filled with pride, and you forget the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage. Go down to verse 17. It says, then you say in your heart, my power and my might and the might of my hand have gained me this wealth. This is what happens. Sometimes when God blesses us, we go, I did it. I did it. And if you do it, you have to sustain it. That's why we have anxiety through the roof. Because you can't sustain it. 
you will run yourself into the ground. You will die an early death. You will have health issues because you've worked so hard. We're trying to sustain something that you didn't build yourself. This is what God's speaking to. He's speaking to this mindset that says, once I have blessed you, don't forget where it came from. Don't say that it came from the work of my hands. I'm not saying that we don't work hard because we do. I'm not saying that we don't contribute, but we do because we do. What I am saying is, it is God that reigns on the just and the unjust. It's God. It's his provision. And we need not forget. Verse 18, it says, And you shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the power to get wealth. It's him that gives us the power to get wealth. That he may establish his covenant, which he swore to your fathers, as it is in this day. The reason why he gives us wealth is to establish his covenant not to build our kingdom so we have to remember why we prosper like the nation of Israel one of our biggest challenges is to not allow prosperity to take over our lives and make us forget or discount the reason for our prosperity remember this God wants us to prosper but he doesn't want us to prosper so we can live fat and happy that's not why he calls us to prosper. He calls us to prosper so that we can add value to other people and establish his covenant in the earth. Jesus taught us how to, how to think about these things. He said in Luke uh, chapter 12, he said, uh, Then Jesus said to them, Watch out. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. That's not the American way. That's not the American ideology. We want more. We want the biggest, the finest, and the most. But God says, life doesn't consist in the abundance of possessions. Doesn't, doesn't live there. Jesus also goes on in this, in this same chapter, in Luke chapter 12, in verse 48, and he says this to us. He says, from everyone who has been given much, much will be demanded. And from the one who has been entrusted with much, much more will be asked. The word entrust literally means the one who has been given more is going to have more. In other words, we have to see what we have is not our own. It's something that we steward, not something that we own. This is an upside-down way of thinking according to our society today. It's a flipped. The kingdom of God is an upside-down kingdom. It doesn't function according to the world's ideologies. It functions the opposite. It says if somebody hurts you, forgive them. It says if somebody has evil against you, bless them. It says, give. Don't take. Give. This is the kingdom. And when we live according to the kingdom, there is no lack in the kingdom. There is no lack in the kingdom. 
when we come to understand how and why we prosper as God's children, it is, in, it is reflected in what we value. We value others as much as we value ourselves. So we have to remember why we've prospered. Second thing is, we have to develop a generous heart. We serve a generous God, and His heart is generous towards us. We serve a generous God. How many of you ever had to teach your children, if you have children, how many of you had to teach your children the word mine? It was one of the very first words that they used with great authority. No and mine. Anytime somebody comes to take one of their toys, they go, mine. They will claw, scratch, bite, punch, throw somebody down. That's mine. Every time we see a child do that, we come along and we kind of correct that, don't we? We come back, hold on, it may be yours, but the clawing, scratching, biting, punching is not okay. Right? So we correct that and, and we say, let's share. So we start at a very early age to teach our children to be generous, to share, to take what they have and to allow somebody else to play with it, to take what they have and allow somebody else to enjoy it just like they do. We, te we teach them to share. And when they do share, we find great joy in that. We take delight in them when they are generous, right? It's fun to watch them and we come back along when they do share. We go, that's awesome. Way to share, way to go. You see how happy that, that kid was that you shared with? And we just kind of build them up. Why? Because we delight in seeing our, our children share and be generous. Guess what? God delights in seeing his children be generous. He delights in it. He loves it. He loves it. He comes alongside and goes, I'm going to give you more. I'm going to entrust more into your hands. Why? Because you're generous. Why? Because you're going to share with other people. Why? Because you value others as much as you value yourself. You are going to share. It's not about money. It's about a position of the heart. Generosity expresses trust in the giver. That's what generosity does. In other words, it's saying there will be more to share as I share what has been given to me. And there's more than enough. We can be generous with our money. We can be generous with our time. We can be generous with our relationships. We can be generous with our influence. We can be generous with our knowledge. We can be generous with our experience. We can come along, an older generation can come along to a younger generation and offer wisdom to them. Can offer experience to them can offer a connection that may help them in business or help them get their feet under them. A, an older person can come and share what they have. It's not just about monetary things. It's about a lot of different things. It's about whatever you have been entrusted with. It may be monetary. It may be influence. It may be rich in relationship. It may be all kinds of different things, but we can come along aside and we can share. Generosity isn't a specific dollar amount or amount of time or amount of things that you share. It's relative. It's relative to you. It's relative to the person you're relating to. It is whatever you have to share. It's not about an amount. I remember in 2005, there was a tsunami that hit, the, hit Thailand. You guys remember that? Anybody in here remember that? And it was, it was one of the most traumatic things I had ever seen. Just where instantaneously 
thousands of people are gone. Thousands of people are displaced. Thousands and thousands and thousands of people are in distress like that. In one second, their whole lives got flipped upside down. And I remember having this uh, story on on the news and watching this story and not, not really thinking that my kids were paying attention because my son was six years old and my daughter was four years old. But all of a sudden, Drew, my son, he scurried up the stairs. He went up to his room. He just kind of took off. And I thought, well, we're watching the news. Most six-year-olds don't care about the news. Uh, so he just went to go do something else. All of a sudden, he comes back down with his arms full of stuffed animals. Now, you got to understand, Drew and his stuffed animals, those were his most prized possessions as a six-year-old young man. He comes down and he starts lining his, all of his stuffed animals up. Now, he really, really, really loved his stuffed animals. Like he knew exactly what he had. He knew exactly where they were at all times. He was a good steward of his stuffed animals. He comes down, and, but he never brought them down stairs like that. And he lines them all up. And as he's lining them up, uh, Drew is not a good poker player. So if you ever want to beat him and m make some money, you can play poker with him because his face tells you things. He's always been like that. He's always, he's, he's a deep thinker. He's, he's one who feels very deeply. And so when he's thinking, his face reflects. He's thinking, I could see it on his face, and he's lining these animals up. And I'm thinking, what is he doing? And so I said, hey, bud, what are you doing? He said, I'm going to send my stuffed animals to those kids who lost their mom and dad in that flood. I think it will help them. It's all he had. It was his most prized possession. And he said, I don't have everything, but what I do have, I'm going to share it. Because you know what? His heart was compassionate. I'm sure he was sitting there thinking, what would I feel if my mom and dad just suddenly disappeared? What do they need? They need comfort. These stuffed animals comfort me. I bet they'll comfort them. Just to know somebody thought about them and would send their stuffed animals. It's not about the size of the gift. It's about the heart of the gift. 2 Corinthians 8 says, in verse 12 through 15, it says, If the intention and the desire are there, the size of the gift doesn't matter. Your gift is fully acceptable to God according to what you have, not what you don't have. I'm, sa I'm not saying... This in order to ease someone else's load by overloading you. But as a matter of fair balance, your surplus could meet their need and their abundance may one day meet your need. This is equal sharing and abundance will, um, abundance will mean fair balance. God's answer to gaps is generosity. God's answer to gaps is generosity. One of the things that we do here at Victory is every year we do the Christmas gift to the world where we do, some, we do something locally and we do something globally. And so this year, we just did the Christmas gift to the world and all of us collectively across all campuses gave $700,000 to help other people. $700,000. If we individually thought, we're, I'm going to have to give $700,000 or I want to give $700,000, we go, I don't know how in the world I would come up with $700,000. Some of you may go, I could do that. But most of the world can't do that. And so all of us collectively, though, giving what we had and what the Lord instructed us and in the way that we could give, we raised 
a substantial amount of money to help other people and to establish God's kingdom in the earth. Our goal here at Victory is at least 20% of our income goes to missions. 20% of the income that comes in week in and week out is not for us. We send it out for local missions and for global missions. We've built orphanages all over the world. We've, we've brought water, clean water, to people who have, uh, don't have clean water, sustainable water source. They, we bring clean water to them. We've brought health care to, to Gwinnett County for the underinsured uh, or the uninsured people. These are types of things that we as a church, we as a body, not as a leadership, as a body, these are things that we've been able to do. And many, many, many more. Recently, we, t- we did a uh, food drive for the North Gwinnett Co-op. We raised almost 7,000 pounds of food right here at this campus. You did that. This is what happens when a church says, we will have a culture of valuing others. The next thing that we can do here at church is we can serve inside the church and outside the church. Some of us come in every single weekend and we come in and we find our seat and we make our way straight out the back door. We hardly even speak to people. It's so funny because sometimes I'm, I'll stand over here on this side where people are leaving out this door. They don't have to get their kids and I'm just trying to say hello. How you doing? And sometimes, literally, people are like this. They won't even look at you, much less say hello, much less shake your hand. Can I tell you? That doesn't feel like valuing other people. That doesn't. So if you're one of the ones that scurries out quickly, just look up, smile, and say, hi. That's a good place to start. But many of you here, every single one of us have gifts, talents, and abilities. We all have them. And there are ways that you can serve inside this church and share your gifts and your talents and your abilities. And I'm asking you as the pastor of this campus that each, each one of us would find a way to serve inside this church. Some of you may lead a small group. We're about to launch our next small group semester. Some of you have a desire to lead other people in, a, in their spiritual formation. Some of you have hobbies or things that you can do where we can gather other people around and share that with somebody else just so we can build community. Whether you want to lead a small group that is focused on, on the Bible or some kind of uh, teaching or instruction or some kind of growth process for us or whether you want to lead a small group that rides mountain bikes. It really doesn't matter. The point is, would you think just a moment and say... How can I serve? Can I lead a small group? Can I open a door? Can I shake a hand? Can I help somebody find a parking spot? Could I teach a class? Could I help our children's ministry? Could I help our youth ministry? Could I take some part of who I am and use it to value other people? Can I do that? I'm asking you to do that. I'm asking you to let's be the most others-focused group of people in North Gwinnett County. Let's be a group of people that when we come together, we can't wait to add value to the people we come in contact with. 
Let's, let's be a type of people that say, hey, let's, let's join our hearts. Let's join our resources. Let's join our abilities and value other people. Here's something you can do. If you would like to serve and you're not serving, some of you, it's your next step. Pastor Bryant talked about it a few weeks ago. And some of you need to take this step. You're going, yeah, I'm just kind of waiting for the Lord to lead me. I need, some, I, need, I need to feel led. Go into your tackle box in your garage and grab a weight. It's lead. I feel the lead. Some of us are praying that God would use us in such a powerful way, but we're just waiting, waiting, and waiting, and waiting, and waiting, and waiting. Just start somewhere. Let's do something. So if you'd like to serve, I want you to take out your phone. I don't have my phone with me. Literally, take out your phone right now. Nobody's moving. This is a very effective message right here. Literally, take out your phone. Open up your text. If you know how to use QR codes, you can actually do that. I don't know how to do that, but that's a future church thing. Um, So I will grow into that. But literally, take out your phone and open your texting app. And text SERVE to 203040. Serve, the word serve, to 203040. And it'll lead you, find your, uh, identify the campus, Hamilton Mill campus, um, and then it'll bring you a whole list of ways that you can serve, that you can get more information about serving in these different areas. Let's do it right now. Let's do it right now. It, I, half of you are on your phone sometimes anyway, so just go ahead and do this right now. Amen? So we, when we understand why we prosper and show value to others, Through a generous heart, our society will see the impact of it. They will truly see the impact of it. So we have to understand why we prosper. We have to develop generosity in our hearts. And then the last thing is we must demonstrate our value for others through practical help and service. Just through practical help and service. These are ways that you can come and serve inside the church and outside the church. We see societal shifts don't change the core values of the church Jesus' person and his teachings never change. They never change. His ways do not change. And they will be effective in this day and age today. It's the church that will close the gaps. But we have to walk out and demonstrate these gifts and talents that we have to help other people. Valuing others as much as we value ourselves. Jesus was asked by couple of his disciples hey can we sit on the right hand of you and on the left hand of you they were trying to figure out how can we grow great in this day and time and the other disciples got very frustrated by this conversation and Jesus went back and forth with them for a minute and then he said it is not for me to decide and he but he says to them this this is what he says to all the disciples in Matthew chapter 20 verse 26 through 28 he says but this is not your calling to be great to be one of the great ones to sit in this type of place of authority all the time, you will lead by a completely different model. This is for us as disciples of Christ. We will lead by a completely different model. The greatest one among you will live as the one who who is called to serve others. Because the greatness, honor, and authority is reserved for the one with the heart of a servant. For even the Son of Man did not come to... 
uh, come expecting to be served by everyone, but to serve everyone and to give his life in exchange for the salvation of many. Even Jesus did not come to be served, but to serve. And he took on practical ways of doing it. He laid his life down so that you and I could have salvation. He laid his life down so that you and I could experience what we experience today. You cannot truly serve other people if you don't value them. But when you do, it will win their heart and it will reflect the heart of God. 1 John 3, verse 16 through 18, it says, We know what real love is because Jesus gave up his life for us. So we also ought to give up our lives for our brothers and sisters. If someone has enough money to live well and see a brother or sister in need but shows no compassion, how can God's love be in that person? Dear children, let's not merely say that we love each other. Let's show the truth by our actions. Let's show the truth by our actions. My daughter called me one day and she said, Dad, I just had an incredible experience. So what happened? We used to live in a town called Frisco. Frisco, Texas, it's where the home of the Dallas Cowboys, the Dallas Cowboys, America's football team. Um, <clears throat> they're letting us down, but, but anyway. Uh, we lived in Frisco, Texas, which is not a, a poor community. And one day my daughter... After we had moved away, she was back there visiting some of her friends, and she pulled in this um, uh, gas station to fill her car up, and she saw a lady sitting over on the curb. And she could tell she was dirty. She, was, she could tell she was homeless. She wasn't somebody that was from that community. And so after she pumped her gas, she drove over to this lady, and she just asked her a very simple question. She said, are you hungry? The lady said, I'm really hungry. Lindsay said, I'm going to go over here to this grocery store and I'll buy you some food. What would you like? What kind of food do you like? And so the lady told her what she likes and Lindsay goes over there and buys her some food and then she comes back over to the lady. She said, just wait right here. I'll be right back. I'm going to go get you some food. She comes back and she says, do you mind if I sit with you while you eat? Here's a teenage girl. Now as a dad, you're going... I'm not sure that's the safest thing in the world. But my heart was filled with joy for the way my daughter was walking this out. She literally brought this lady some food. She sits down with her and she watches just with her while she eats. And then after, she's kind of hearing her story, listening to what's going on in her life. And she doesn't have a lot to offer her. But she brought the food for that meal and she gave her some more food so she could carry it with her. And then she just said this simple thing. Can I pray for you? Can I just pray for you? Because I believe God will meet you right where you are. The lady said, please. So this young teenage girl just puts her hand on her shoulder, prays for her, gives her food, and blesses her, and then drives away. It's not hard. It just takes willingness. It takes willingness to do it. It takes a willingness to do it. It's easy for us to say, yeah, the church should do that kind of stuff. The church should do that. That's true, the church should. 
But turn to the person next to you and say, you are the church. This is just a building where the church gathers. This is not the church. We, the people, are the church. Red, yellow, black, and white, young, old, male, female, rich, poor. We are the church. And if we will serve, it will change everything. I love what Pastor Johnson said last week. He goes, it may start small. Don't despise small beginnings. It may be grabbing a little bit of food out of the grocery store and sitting with somebody while they eat. That's kind of small to us. It's big to her. So let me ask you. Do you value others? Do you, do you really, really, truly value other people? And if you do, what are you doing to express that value? Or what is it that you need to do to express that value? You see, you and you and you and you and you and you and you are the solution. We are the solution. You're not the solution to everything. But you are the solution to something. What is it? Is it a need in the usher ministry? Is it a young man who needs mentoring? Is it a young woman who is a new mom but you've raised your kids and you've raised your kids well and she just needs a, hey, you're going to make it. Hey, you're a good mom. Hey, it's going to be okay. Maybe that's it. Maybe you've gone through marriage struggle and you've come through the other side. You can come alongside somebody that's struggling through their marriage and say, I know it looks dark. I know it looks impossible, but we're here to tell you, you can make it. Let me grab your hand and you grab mine and let's walk together towards health and wholeness in your marriage. What is it? Sometimes we complicate. I say it like this. Sometimes we complexify the simple. What if we just took one simple step? We just took one simple step. Said this week... I will intentionally show value to others because God has prospered me in a way. He has given me so much. And because He's given me so much, there is so much expected of me. And I want to give. I want to pour blessing out on somebody this week. Whatever it is. Would you stand with me? I want to ask our prayer team to come down. Here, here's what I know. Messages like this, sometimes they kind of get up in our Kool-Aid and start stirring it around. You're welcome, by the way. Because we need it. 
young generations, old generations. We're trying to close gaps. That's the desire of both generations. We just look at it from different angles because of our experiences, because of our knowledge, because of what we know and what we see and what we understand. But our hearts are to close the gap. So instead of fighting the ideologies, why don't we grab hands and come together and say, let's be the solution. The government's not the solution. Never has been, never will be. It's not in any country of any part of the world. The government is not the solution. It's not God's design. The church is God's design. A body of Christ followers. A body of people who care and value other people. That's a, that's a solution. Because it'll drive to all kinds of things. Today, some of you may feel, I need to take a step forward, but I feel a little bit inadequate whatever the case may be. This group down here is here to pray for you. Because I believe that Victory Hamilton Mill, in order for us to make the impact that God has called us to make in this region of the state, we're going to have to be a people that, are, that value other people. And we are going to be a people that value other people. We're going to value you, and you're going to value others. We're going to love them to the kingdom. We're going to love this world to a healthy place. We're going to love this world to a place where we see the covenant of God established in all hearts and all homes. So today, if you would like prayer, I'm just going to encourage you to step out, come down. It doesn't matter what you need prayer for. You might want prayer about this. You might want prayer for healing in your body. You may want prayer for a, a meeting you're going to have this week. It doesn't matter. You don't have to be a member here at Victory to receive prayer. But what you do have to be is one that says, I need God. And so I'm going to go down and look to God as my source this week. And I'm going to allow somebody to stand with me and pray with me. So let me pray for us. Our team's going to lead us in worship. And as they do, let's, let's respond with uplifted hands and worshiping hearts. And then let's respond by coming to receive prayer today. Father, I thank you today. Let's lift our hands. Father, I thank you today. I thank you, God, that you value other people, that you value each person in this place. Now, God, I pray that we would receive that kind of heart, that card of generosity. We would understand why we prosper, that we would know that we are prospering. is not for our own good, but it's for the good of those around us as well. And so, Lord, I pray in the name of Jesus that you would fill our hearts with your heart, that you would stir our hearts with the things that stir you, that you would give us the ability to see people like you see them and give us the heart to step towards them and to add value to them today. In Jesus' name, amen.